0: Well, we have been talking about praying in other tongues because it's such a huge part. When we're talking about Ready, Set, Revival, which is the Sunday night series that we're in, uh, praying is a huge part of revival. Have you noticed that? We pray and it's really like that whole process of precipitation, evaporation. Our prayers go up and God's presence comes down. And so there's uh, much prayer that goes into revival and it's the time and the day of revival. But one of the most effective kinds of praying that we can have in this time of revival is praying in other tongues because we're connecting spirit to spirit with God's heart. And we're praying out things of the future. And so we've been talking about that. You know, even if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it might be something that we do, but we may not be able to explain to somebody else why you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, why you need to pray in other tongues. So it's really great for us, and it's a good refresher for us, too, to be able to understand and know exactly what happens when we pray in other tongues. So uh, we are... Focusing on this right now in this series of Ready Set Revival. So, we've been talking about the purpose and the power of praying in other tongues. Last week we talked about power for your calling. Jesus wanted them to have power. And we're going to continue on today talking about some other aspects um, of praying in other tongues. But let's go ahead and pray first. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord. For your spirit, we thank you, oh, so much that he is our helper in all things. He leads us, he guides us, he shows us things to come, he helps us to pray. When we don't know how to pray as we ought, he comes alongside, he meets our supplication, and he really helps us to pray out things from your heart. And so, Father, we're so blessed to have the Holy Spirit as our guide, as our counselor, as our teacher. And we just thank you for his help. We pray that we would be enlightened even further tonight. We thank you, Father, that as we uh, study your word, that your word would be a light unto our path, that it would show forth things, that it would answer questions that we've had. I thank you, Father, that it'll help us to answer questions that others have. Father, I just pray that tonight our hearts will be open to hear what you have for us, that we'll grow in spiritual things, and that we'll grow, Father, in our walk with you, our walk hand in hand with you, with the Holy Spirit, because as we understand and know more about him, we can walk with him better. We can hear him better. So I just thank you for that, Lord, helping us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week we talked about who can speak with other tongues. And, you know, in Acts 2.39, it said this to us, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and on your children, and to and for all that are far away, even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. So we saw that praying in other tongues was for anyone and everyone. It's not just for a specific few. It wasn't just designated to a time period. In fact, it's for all of us. It was the birthday of the church where the Holy Spirit came into that upper room and came upon them, baptizing them. What does baptize mean? Well, to baptize means to completely immerse. And so they were completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not like being baptized in water where you dunk underwater and you come back up. No, it's a change that is complete, that is through and through. I like how Rick Renner talks about it. If you read Sparkling Gems from the Greek, he talks about that word baptizo and he says, you know, we likened it to being pickled because a vegetable, the Strong's Concordance showed us a vegetable is first dipped in water and then it. It is dipped into a solution that penetrates it through and through, so it changes the vegetable into a pickle, but Rick Renner talks about uh, how that word baptizo means to be dipped and dyed, and I like that because if you've ever dyed something, you know, a piece of clothing, you've put it into that writ dye solution, and you've uh, changed it, well, it goes through every fiber of that piece of clothing. It goes through every fiber. So when you take it out of the dye, it's a different piece of clothing. It looks completely different because every fiber has soaked up that dye. So that's how he talks about it. And I love that analogy as well. So who, is, uh, who can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and who can speak with other tongues? Well, we looked at multiple instances in the New Testament where they were. So how do we receive the gift of tongues? Well, this is where we were ending last week. How do we receive? Well, many receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And we gave different examples of that, how that happened. But then we said, we can ask, we can desire, and we can hunger. And we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that way. And Pastor Mark gave his testimony of how he was in a spiritual competition with his girlfriend (laughs) at the time. (laughs) and that competition was if she can get it then I can too and so he was just simply in his car and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he began speaking in other tongues right there all by himself because he asked that's all he did was ask so we can ask we can hunger and I wanted to share with you this testimony of another uh it's from the the little book that's out of print right now But it's called Overcoming Hindrances to Receiving the Baptism of the Holy Spirit by John Osteen. And he talks about a preacher who thirsted. This is in the 50s. He says, one day I got a call from a minister on the East Coast. He is an example of how God draws people to him and makes them thirsty. When I picked up the phone, the voice on the other end of the line said, Pastor Osteen, I'm a Baptist preacher. I understand that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I replied, yes, I have. You know, John Osteen was a Baptist preacher as well, but he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it completely changed his life. So he says this, he says, the man on the other end of the line, I'm interested in this experience, he said, but I'm wondering about speaking in tongues. I said, Brother, don't waste your time on a long distance call. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in other tongues. You're calling me to see if I can talk you out of that, but I'm going to tell you, you will speak in other tongues if you get the baptism. He said, Thank you, and he hung up. <laughs> in a few days, the preacher called back and said, Brother Osteen, I'm the man that hung up on you a few days ago, <laughs> but I'm thirsty and I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, if you're thirsty and you seek God with an open heart, you're going to receive. And when you do, you're going to speak in tongues. There's no way to keep your dignity and your denominational pride. (laughs) When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. Just like the rest of us. And not only that, there will be people who are going to hate you and despise you because of it. He's so encouraging. (laughs) He said, thank you, and he hung up again. But in a few days, this minister called back a third time. He and his wife were visiting relatives. He said, Brother Osteen, my wife wants me to visit with her relatives, but I can't visit. I'm so thirsty for God. I can't visit. I can't read the newspaper. I can't watch TV. I can't listen to the radio or do anything else. I left my wife and her folks, and I got into the car to drive out into the country, and I just sat there. While I was sitting there in the car, I felt two hands laid on my hands, and I heard a voice in my spirit saying, go to Houston, get John Osteen to lay his hands on you, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. I said, brother, I don't receive that. This is John Osteen saying Brother, I don't receive that. <laughs> don't make something big out of me. You don't have to get, the ho- get me to pray for you to have the Holy Ghost. You can receive the baptism right there. God is with you where you are as well. I paused and he said, yes, but you didn't hear the voice. <laughs> the church took up an offering to buy him a plane ticket to come to Houston. What could I say? You see, Jesus touches people and he makes them thirsty. When we're thirsty. And do you notice something here? We looked at the testimony of Smith Wigglesworth. He went to that revival and he was so thirsty. And he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We looked at Brother Hagin's testimony. He had all of these different inputs of different people on what it meant and he put them all aside because he was so thirsty for God and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, now this preacher is on his way to Houston. So it says, Can't you just see this man getting on a plane and flying all the way from the East Coast, weeping and yearning for God? Oh, this kind of spirit touches God. Some people wouldn't walk down the church aisle to receive the blessed baptism of the Holy Spirit from the hands of Jesus himself. Yet... There are people who will cross the nation, who will go around the world to receive the Holy Ghost. I took two men from our church with me to the airport to meet this minister. We had never seen him, and I wondered how we would recognize him, but it isn't hard to recognize the long, lean, hungry look of a person thirsting after God. (laughs) When this preacher got off the plane, tears were rolling down his face, and we recognized him right away. As we put him in the car, we started driving from the airport. I noticed his hands were shaking. God's spirit was all over him. And I thought, we better leave him alone in this car. He's going to have plenty of room when the Holy Spirit baptizes him. (laughs) Curtis Bell, one of the men with me, had built a little place in his home, especially for people who wanted to get the baptism. He would keep them in his house and he would pray for them. So we took this minister there. As soon as he got his suitcases set down, I said, let's just pray for a little while. I asked the preacher to kneel in the middle of the room, and then we all found places to pray, and we surrounded him in prayer. As we were praying, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, didn't he say that if he would come to Houston, you would lay hands on him, and that I would baptize him in the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, God, that's what he said then why are you sitting over here in the corner praying? <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> oh, go over there and put your hands on him. So I slipped up behind the minister and I put my hands on him as he was praying. The very moment the hands touch, my hands touched him, he stopped speaking in English. He rose up and he lifted his hands in worship and surrender to God. And the language of the Holy Ghost began to pour out of him. He talked in tongues, and he talked in tongues, and then he talked in tongues some more. He worshiped God, and he talked in tongues for what seemed like hours. We walked up to Brother Bell and tried to tell him how wonderful the Holy Ghost was, but he couldn't speak in English. He walked up to Brother Bell, but he couldn't speak in English. He could only speak in tongues. He tried to tell me how wonderful it was, but he could only speak in tongues. It was getting late, and we all needed to go to bed and get our rest. Finally, I took him by the arm and led him to his bedroom. He laid down, he took, we took off his shoes and socks, pulled the covers over him, and when I left him, he was still speaking in tongues. <laughs> when he woke up, there was no doubt the Lord had baptized this man in the Holy Spirit. Oh, The next day, he said, Brother Osteen, if you thought it was good when you put me to bed, you should have been here when I woke up. (laughs) Don't you love that? (laughs) So hunger and thirst. You know, we only need to hunger and thirst to really receive him and ask. And that's what the word tells us. If we ask that he will give and he won't give anything Opposite, He won't give anything evil. We can't uh, think that God would do anything except what we ask him for. So he gave the gift of speaking in other tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit for all of us. 1 Corinthians 14:1 says this, "...pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy." You know, that's part of the equipment that we need. And we need to desire God. When we desire him, when we have that deep desire, and I love that part where it says, it's not hard to, to recognize somebody who is hungry for the Lord. You know, we can see that in people. We can see it on their face. We can see it in their eyes. We can see it in how they come, how they seek him. We can see it. You all are hungry for the Lord tonight. You know how we know that? You're here. You're here and he's meeting you and he's bringing what you need because you're here. You know, sometimes you must be present to win. <laughs> and the truth is with spiritual things, that's a huge part of getting what we need to be present and to be expectant. So Mark 16:15. We looked at that last week, but let's just go over there again. Mark 16, 15. Here it is, and we call it the Great Commission, but uh, in the Great Commission, we're told what part of our purpose is. We're supposed to be ministering to people and this kind of ministry. Jesus said, you'll do uh, the things that I've done, you'll do even greater works, greater works, not necessarily in uh, magnitude. I mean, how much greater can you get than raising people from the dead? But multitude we'll do greater works because all of us now are empowered with the Holy Spirit to, and, and power to be witnesses. As we minister to people, these things will happen. These signs will follow them that believe. So in Mark sixteen fifteen it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel to every creature of the whole of the human race. He who believes, He who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and whom it sets forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to and trust in and rely on the gospel and whom it sets forth will be condemned. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast They will uh, drive out, excuse me, demons, and they will speak with new languages. He's talking about tongues. They will pick up serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands upon the sick, and they will get well. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken these words, was taken up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down because his part was done. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. He sent the Holy Spirit to endue us with power, and this is the w- result of being endued with power. We have the ability now to go out if we believe and accomplish all of these things. So it's the Great Commission. And it's taking authority over the enemy. It's bringing revival everywhere that we go because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. But a huge part of that is praying in other tongues. Um, The authority to do the works that Jesus did. And how do you take authority? You know, even when Jesus was taking authority, how did he do it? When he was teaching... The Bible tells us that he taught as one with authority. Well, we take authority with words. We take authority with words. We're not going to take physical authority over the kingdom of, of the enemy. We're going to do it with prayers. We're going to do it with words. So when we pray, there's an authority that comes when we speak in tongues. And in this uh, Passage here, it says they will speak with new tongues. New tongues means fresh, recent, unused. It it speaks to a new kind, unprecedented tongues. Every time we pray in other tongues, it should be a new, fresh experience. A new freshness. And we will receive the refreshing of praying in other tongues too. And we're going to talk about that. So let's... Focus on this for a moment. What am I saying when I pray in tongues? What am I saying? You know, some people, that's the hindrance for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I'm saying. But remember what we read about John Osteen last week? He said, we have to get past our pride and we have to humble ourselves. And when we humble ourselves, it can be a humiliating experience to let those words come out when we don't know what we're saying. But what am I saying? What does the Bible talk about praying in other tongues? It does tell us some things. So in Acts 2 4, it says this it says, they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. See, that's a fear sometimes that people have. I'm going to say something inappropriate. (laughs) No, you're not. Because he only gives appropriate words. He only gives words that are from his heart. And when we follow him, we don't have to have a fear of that. He only gives us appropriate words. Acts 2.11 says this. It says, Cretans and Arabians too, we all hear them speaking in our own native tongue." telling of the mighty works of God. What are the appropriate words that they were saying? Well, they were telling of the mighty works of God. Telling of the mighty works of God. That's what those who were hearing, when they heard in their own language, they said they're telling of the mighty works of God. How awesome is that? Do You know, God has mighty works he's doing now. He has mighty works he did do, and he has mighty works he wants to do. And when we pray in other tongues, we're talking about those things. We're praying out those things. Some of those things are future things that the words need to be said so that they can be moved upon. Because our prayers, the Bible tells us in Revelation, are stored in golden bowls in heaven. God holds those prayers. And when we pray them out, it gives him an invitation to come into this home and that person's life and this city and that nation. So we pray things and we're telling forth the mighty works of God. But here's another example of what they said in Acts 10 45. It says, And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jews who came with Peter, were surprised and amazed because the free gift of the Holy Spirit had been bestowed and poured out largely even on the Gentiles, for they heard them talking in unknown tongues, languages, and extolling and magnifying God. What were they saying? They were extolling and magnifying God. Oh, how awesome is that? Extolling and magnifying God. Wow. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 14:17 tells us, one who is praying in tongues gives thanks well. <laughs> gives thanks well. So we know that we're telling of the mighty works of God, we're magnifying and extolling Him, we are only speaking appropriate words, and we give thanks well. Here's another one. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it tells us that there are tongues of men and of angels. Do you remember reading that? At the beginning of the love chapter, He tells us, I, if I can speak with the tongues of men and even angels... You know, we can speak in tongues that are known on this earth, but we can speak in tongues that are only known in heaven. And that's a cool thing. And God knows what we're saying when we say it. He's, we're praying from our spirit, and we're praying out things that connect with his heart. Praise God for that. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says this. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Another translation says we pray mysteries when we pray in other tongues. I love that. What are we praying? Well, we may not know everything that we are praying, but we do have an assurance from the word of some things that are being said out of our very own lips. And what are those things? That we're saying appropriate words, that we're telling the mighty works of God, that we're extolling and magnifying him, we're giving thanks well, we're praying in tongues of men and angels, and we are praying secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to our understanding because if we only prayed from our understanding, how far would we be able to go in the plan of God? It would be so limited. But we pray from the Holy Spirit giving us words. And when he gives us words, now those things are being prayed out. They're mysteries. And Brother Hagin said this, mysteries that are prayed out can be walked out. And when they're prayed out... It sets a path before us. It's like laying track for a train. You know, what happens if the train is going and then there's no track? Well, it stops. But our prayers are laying down track. They're laying down road. They're laying down a place that is a path that we can run on later. So mysteries that are prayed out uh, and become revelation that can be walked out. 1 Corinthians 2, 1. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians 2, 1. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 says this. As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and the evidence or mystery and secret of God concerning what, has, what he has done through Christ for the salvation of men. I think i got to get my glasses. In lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy or wisdom. He said, I didn't come being you know, so wise among you. He says, for I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ the Messiah and him crucified. And I was in, passed into a state of weakness and fear, dread, even great trembling after I had come to you. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and the power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearer the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. He says, I didn't come to you with such great words. No, it was the Holy Spirit. And when I spoke, he touched your hearts. When I spoke, he knew what to say to you. He ministered to you. He said, it wasn't that I knew anything. It was all him. And then he says, so then that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, human philosophy, but in the power of God. Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding... We do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. But it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age, of this world, nor of the leaders and the rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. But rather, we are setting forth a wisdom of God once hidden from human understanding and now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God devised and decreed beyond the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this, for if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But on the contrary, as scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has... Not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Yet, to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his Spirit. So he says there's a wisdom, and there's a wisdom that we connect with that's not of this world. And there's a wisdom that is set forth by God, once hidden but now revealed. And then he goes on to open up even another aspect about it. He says, yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit, for the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden from beyond man's scrutiny. Now, what did we just say? When we pray, we're going to pray hidden things, mysteries. But now he says we are sounding the bottomless things of God. And how can we sound those things that are hidden? Well, he goes on. For what person perceives and knows and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him, just so as no one discerns or comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is of God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor, blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught to us by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. See, he says there's a wisdom that comes to us, and it's not a wisdom from men, it's a wisdom from God. There's stuff going on on the inside of our heart, and only the Spirit of God knows what's on the inside of a heart of man. But we can pray those things out, And when we pray those things out, giving words and combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language, now we pray those things that God planted deep on the inside of us. There's a purpose that was written. There's a book that was written about us, but we don't know everything that's in it. But guess what? Inside your heart, you have that. It's you. It's the real you. And how do we get those mysteries and those hidden truths out? Well, we pray them out. And he says this, sounding the bottomless things of God. And it even takes us to that. You know, when they're they're trying to find the depth of something like the ocean, they're trying to find the depth. They sound. They send forth. Uh, you know, they they measure. The depth, but it says we can't even measure the depth of God. Those are the bottomless things of God. But we can pray those things out. We can pray those things out. And how do we do it? Combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language. Words not given to us by men, but by the Holy Spirit. We pray those things out. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says this It says, The spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. When the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to uncover and unveil some of those things, and we begin to pray them out. We pray out our future, we pray out hidden things. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. How do we draw out counsel in the heart? Well, we pray. When we pray, when we let the Holy Spirit put those words out of our mouth. You know, I always doubted. I I always just kind of had this thought, like, is it me or is it him? Is it me or is it him? And then we went to... missions trip, we were going to Greece, and we were sitting in the uh, airport in London. And as we were sitting in the London airport, it's a hub for so many different places. And so over here I hear one language, over here I hear another language, and I'm just sitting there listening to the languages, and I think, I kind of know what they're saying, because I've said those words in other tongues, although I have no idea what they're saying. I have prayed some of those words before, and I've prayed some of those words before, And I had this revelation. When I pray, I pray in other tongues. And I could be using words from any language, any language. But God is taking those words and he's having them pray something from my heart out because it was from his heart implanted in me. It's amazing how that happens. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says this, I thank my God that I speak in strange tongues, this was Paul, languages more than any of you or all of you put together. Do you know that Paul spoke in tongues a lot? If he says, I speak in tongues more than any of you or all of you put together, he spoke a lot. But guess what? He had such wisdom and revelation He wrote so much of the New Testament for us. Was it because he was such a smart person? I mean, he probably was. But he received all of this revelation because mysteries that are prayed out can be revelation that is written, that is walked out, revelation that God can move on later. So there was so much that came to him. And I'm sure that a lot of it was because he was praying in other tongues, a lot, Go with me to John 7:37. John 7:37. If we knew all the things that we were praying about, but here's the thing, we can know some of them. Because even as we pray, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal some of those things to us we begin to interpret some of those things that we're even praying out at the moment. We can write them down, and we can watch God do them, and we have done it so many times. So John 7.37 says this, Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood, and he cried out in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who cleaves to, trusts, and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuous springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed, trusted, and had faith in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given Because Jesus was not yet glorified and raised to honor. So it says he was speaking of the Spirit, and what did he liken the Spirit to? Rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. Rivers of living water. Oh, I love that. And you know, it takes me right back to the very first miracle that Jesus did, where they had those water pots, and we look at it, and Jesus turned water into wine. And it was amazing. It was such a miracle. And sometimes we're like, well, they really needed wine, right? Because wine's important. But it wasn't about wine. It wasn't a miracle about wine. Those water pots were huge water pots, and they were for ceremonial cleansing. And there were six of them. And six is the number of humanity. But they were filled with this water. And it wasn't just any water. It had to be living water, living water. It had to be taken according to the code of ceremonial washing from a living stream. That meant running or flowing water. And so they filled all of those pots with water, and then they took it to the master of the feast, and the master of the feast said, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. You saved the best for last. You saved the very best for last. While everybody else gives the best first, you save the best for last. Don't you know that six is the number of humanity, and he filled those pots with living water. It's a representation of us being filled with the Spirit of God. And it takes me right back here where it says, from our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Living water will flow from us. And it doesn't say one time, two times. It says continuous, continuously. It'll flow from us continuously, continuously. Rivers and springs of living water. You know, sometimes one of the things that happens is, and this happened to Smith Wigglesworth. It happened to um, one of the other... Uh, Guys, that I was reading about. Anyway, Smith Wigglesworth says he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and it was this glorious experience. Oh, I know who it was. Okay, so he got, it was this glorious experience. But then he said it was nine months before he prayed in other tongues again because he was waiting for another glorious experience. (laughs) But do you know that when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are meant to continuously pray? continuously pray we don't have to have a special moment come upon us so that we can pray again we can pray anytime we want anytime and so what did Jesus tell us it said that from our innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water I love that we are to pray often Pray often. Well, go with me over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 14. I'm hoping that we're answering a lot of the questions that people have, and maybe that we have too. Because if we answer those, then we can pray confidently, fervently, and with power. (laughs) All right, Ephesians 5, 14 says this. It says, Therefore he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you, and give you light. He wants us to wake up to some things, and he begins to tell us what. He says, Look carefully, then, how you walk live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for in that is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with voices and instruments, and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And at all times and for everything, giving thanks in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, to God the Father. So... He says here that um, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he really contrasts it. He says instead of being filled with a spirit, which is wine, he says be filled with the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And part of this, as he puts it together, he says uh, live purposefully, worthily, and accurately, meaning if we're filled with the spirit, and in prayer, and we are being filled with the Spirit, continuously, we're going to live on purpose. Yes. See, when Jesus told them to go and to be wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which the Father had promised, it was part of their purpose. It was the purpose uh, to receive the power so they could walk out what he had called them to do. So now, he says, uh, to be filled with, the, the Holy Spirit to be filled with the spirit. And in Ephesians, this is what commentaries say about this in 5:18. It says, there is a present tense of the verb in the Greek, meaning that this word "being filled" means "keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled," or be being filled with the spirit. It's not just "be filled." It's be being filled with the Spirit. So it's a continual thing. And, you know, I love how he puts this together with drinking alcohol. He says, do not be drunk, in verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, for in that is debauchery, but be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. So it makes me think, why do people drink alcohol? Well, there's a number of reasons, <laughs> right? But one reason that we could say they drink alcohol is to be stimulated in a different way. Or, you know, we we like to go to places during happy hour because they have half-price appetizers, and that's all we get. But people like to go during happy hour because they want to get happy. (laughs) And drinking makes some people happy, although it won't keep you happy, it'll make you sad in the end because it's something that the enemy can grab hold of you or put a hook in you. But that's what, you know, people who get drunk. But he says, don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And why does he tell us this? Well, he's talking about evil days, evil days that are upon us. And, you know, as we look at the world, some people are stressed, frightened, discouraged, depressed, (laughs) having a difficult time. And that's why we want to be filled with something But now he says, in contrast to being filled with wine, let's be filled with the Spirit. Because that'll cause us to live on purpose. That'll cause us to live with power. That'll cause us to live accurately and worthily. We need to wake up to the things of the Spirit. So anything that alcohol can do for us, guess what? The Holy Spirit can do better. Way better. And that's why he says, be filled with the Spirit, or be being filled with the Spirit. So when we are filled with the Spirit, now that's a better way to cope with hard days, difficult days, evil days, because we are actually equipped to pray some things out, to take authority over some things, to pray out mysteries and hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. It helps us to see better, to love better, to have joy, It helps us to live on purpose, to have courage and to be bold in this day. You know, some people drink because they want to have courage. But guess what? The Holy Spirit gives us courage. What happened to them in the upper room? Well, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden they spilled out into the streets to people that just the day before they were afraid of. Now they're witnessing to them because they had courage from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will help us to pray things out. And as we pray things out, we will have wisdom from God. Like we said, we'll pray out wisdom. We'll pray out uh, all kinds of different things. We'll take authority over things, but we'll be doing it by the Holy Spirit. And we'll be living fully awake. Not depressed, but fully awake. Not suppressed, but fully awake. And that's what he wants for us. So in looking at that scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. So I'll tell you a story about how the Holy Spirit can bring us wisdom in different ways. He can bring us wisdom. When we pray in the Spirit, it's funny how all of a sudden, we, maybe not in that very same moment, but we open things up to receive wisdom. We open the doors of wisdom to our lives. So Tony Haskell and I had gone to Argentina, and when we went to Argentina, we uh, ate at this restaurant, and it was a lot like a Rodigio restaurant here, where, you know, it's a Brazilian steakhouse kind of thing, but it was in Argentina. So they bring you the meat on these swords, you know, and they come with all the different ones. If you've been to one of these kind of steakhouses, they bring all the different ones, it's so good. And they cut off a piece and put it onto your plate and you have chicken and you have steak and you have all these different things. And so we ate at one of those. So we got home and I started feeling kind of weird from our trip. And it was about two weeks after our trip, and I started feeling kind of weird. And my system was like hyped up, and, and I kind of sensed what was going on. And so I called my doctor, because I had thyroid surgery. I had uh, uh, growths in my thyroid. So I had thyroid surgery um, a long time ago. And I knew the symptoms from when I had that going on. And that's what I was experiencing. So I called my doctor and I said, I don't know, I might need uh, to come in for an appointment. He said, yep, let's have an appointment. Let's have a blood test. Maybe your medication's not working right. Maybe you're changing, you know, something's happening. So I said, okay. So we scheduled all of that stuff. And then I hung up the phone. And then I had this picture come to my mind where we were sitting at the table And the man, the waiter, came up to the table with a big sword full of what looked like kidneys or something like that. And he came to the table, and he put it on the table, and he said, "Glands, (laughs) ma'am. And that's what he said. And Tony and I looked at each other, and we went, what did you say? And he said, would you like some glands, ma'am? And I went... Ew, I don't want to eat glands. No, I don't want glands. And so we were laughing about it, and we were saying, I guess people eat glands. I mean, I guess they like glands. <laughs> it, was like, it was so funny to us. And we laughed about it for you know a long time. So then we got home and I was feeling this. And I said to myself and the Holy Spirit, I said, maybe I ate glands. And I didn't know it. And so I called my doctor back and I said, I just went to Argentina and maybe I ate some glands without knowing it. Would that cause my blood to be wrong? Would that cause me to have symptoms that, you know, I, I like this? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> he said. And then when we were at the table, this is what I further remembered that they said they use glands in a lot of different things. We were like, who would eat glands? And then they said, well, they use glands in a lot of different things, like empanadas. And Well, we had eaten empanadas almost every single day. <laughs> so then I'm thinking, I probably ate glands. So then <laughs> It was a revelation from God. And so... <laughs> God was saving me money, saving me trouble, saving me having to go through all of these adjustments with medicine and all of that. And so he said, just wait a couple more weeks, and if you're still feeling weird, then we'll do all of the things, but it's probably just going to pass. So I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me. You care about me so much. And you know what? He does care about us. He wants every part of our life to be filled with the Spirit so that he can talk to us and we can respond. And we can, uh, at the smallest little nudge or prompting, if we listen to him, he'll save us time, money, hassle, but he'll also lead us to people to minister to them. He'll lead us to people, and, and we don't even know What's going on, and yet the Holy Spirit will show us what's happening in their life. I want to read you this one thing before uh, we're ending, which will be soon. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth said this he said, um, and actually 1 Corinthians 14:4 4 says this see praying in other tongues is a means of spiritual edification we're going to start talking about some of the benefits and here's one of the benefits it's a means of spiritual edification first corinthians fourteen four says this he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies and improves himself but he who prophesies interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. So he tells us we can pray in tongues in our prayer life, and what do we do? We edify ourselves. We improve ourselves in piety, holiness, and happiness. But we can also pray in tongues in the church. And what happens then? We edify the church. And that's, we're going to talk about that later, about the difference between praying in other tongues and the ministry of other tongues. But I want to tell you what Smith Wigglesworth says about this, about being edified by praying in other tongues. So this is out of the book, Smith Wigglesworth, Experiencing God's Power Today. It's a great book. He shares so many different things in here. But this is what he says. He says, tongues in our personal life, are for edification. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I want you to see that he who speaks in a tongue, in an unknown tongue, edifies himself or builds himself up. We must be edified before we can edify the church. I cannot estimate what I personally owe to the Holy Spirit's method of spiritual edification I am here before you as one of the biggest conundrums in the world. Don't you love that? (laughs) There was never a weaker man on the platform. Did I have the capacity to speak? No, not at all. I was full of inability. And if you know about him, he had a, a speech impediment. He had a problem with speaking, and God called him to speak. And so he says, all natural things in my life point to exactly the opposite of me being able to stand on the platform and preach the gospel. The secret is that the Holy Spirit came and he brought this wonderful edification of the Spirit. I had been reading the word continually as well as I could, but the Holy Spirit came and he took hold of it. For the Holy Spirit is the breath of it and he illuminated it to me. He gives me a spiritual language that I cannot speak fast enough. It comes too fast, and it is there because God has given it. When the comforter or our helper comes, he will teach you all things. And he has given me a supernatural means of speaking in an unknown tongue to edify myself so that after being edified, I can edify the church. Don't you love that? Why do we want to build ourselves up? Why do we want to pray? Be being filled continually. Why do we want to do that? So that we can uh, edify others in our lives. It's part of the, the purpose and the power of praying in other tongues. That dunamis power comes upon us so that we can be a witness. Not just witness to people, but be a witness. That means that we first experience the power of god and that's what smith wigglesworth said he said i have experienced such a change in my life i have experienced so much of the power of god now i stand before you as one who is testifying even as he preached he was testifying of all that god had done you know one person said does you praying in other tongues does that make you better than me no it doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. (laughs) It causes me to be bigger, stronger, more than I could ever be on my own. And that's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I was one of the biggest conundrums in the world. There was no reason why I should be doing what I'm doing except for God came upon me and now, and, and, and through praying in other tongues, he prayed out those mysteries of his life. You know, there was a time where I couldn't even stand in front of people at all. I could not even do what I'm doing right now. We had a ladies' Bible study at the church. And in the ladies' Bible study, we had a wonderful teacher from the church. She was teaching and uh, sharing every week. I came to the Bible study. I was a big part of it in, in cheering her on because she was such a wonderful teacher. Well, she was moving. And I started thinking, well, what are we going to do? If we continue ladies' Bible study, I just don't even know who's going to teach it. I have no idea. And I was absolutely clueless to that being in me at all, the ability to teach anything. And so the Holy Spirit led me into a place of praying. When my little kids were at school, uh, right before I would go and pick them up, he, he said, you just spend this amount of time praying. So I prayed. I just continued to pray and I was faithful to pray. And sometimes every now and then I'd think about who is going to do that Bible study. Who I don't even know who's going to do that Bible study. And then as I started praying out, I mean seriously, about a month into it or even more, I started thinking, maybe you're going to do that Bible study. No, I rebuke that. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> devil, this is my prayer time. Quit trying to talk to me. In my prayer time, I'm talking to God. Maybe you're going to do that Bible study. No, I am not going to do that Bible study. But the thought just kept on coming. I didn't even know I could do that. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit led me into that place of prayer, I was praying it out. He was saying, evidently, that's on the inside of you, and you don't even know it, but I know it. (laughs) And I'm going to have you pray it out so that you can walk it out. Oh, man. Oh, man. We pray things out. We pray things for ourselves. We pray things for our nation. We pray things for our kids. We pray things for the city that we're in. We pray things out. Oh, he has given us such a wonderful gift of praying in other tongues. So he is definitely moving when we pray in other tongues. Um, Next week when we come together, we're going to begin to talk about some more of these benefits of praying in other tongues, and you are gonna be blessed when you see all that is opened up to us as we pray in other tongues. And then we'll, we'll we are just gonna keep going with what God wants us to show us for the next few weeks, and it's gonna be amazing. Amen? Amen? But tonight, this is where we're calling it quits. <laughs> so stand with me. If you are being inspired, and I hope you are, I hope you pray in other tongues regularly. Um, But if you don't, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have a wonderful altar care team right here tonight that will be standing up in front that will pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you are one who, like we talked about tonight, maybe a long time ago you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have not been praying in other tongues and you just need a refresh, you say, you know what, I haven't done it for a long time and I'm ready to start praying again. Well, then come up here. They will pray with you. That will be revived in you, that gift. It'll be stirred on the inside of you. And as it's stirred, you'll you'll have... uh, those times with the Lord again. And you can and you should. When Rick Renner was just here, we were talking about that. He said, I don't know why Christians don't pray in other tongues as much as we should. He said, I don't know why we forget to pray in other tongues. When we're praying in other tongues, we're accessing the heart of God. It's literally a spirit-to-spirit communication. We, he has given us the ability to lift us from our level up to his level to pray. And it's amazing when we do that. So tonight, if that's you, come up and have our altar t- care team pray with you to revive that in you, uh, that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to revive that gift in you. Um, if you've never been baptized, come up. They will pray with you tonight. And they'll give you materials that'll even take you further in your understanding. It'll be awesome. But as we go tonight, uh, let's just listen to Pastor Mark.
1: (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm just going to give you this uh, encouragement. Uh, I know most of you pray in tongues. But as we were talking this morning and as we were talking last week, as we're talking about the kingdom of God is righteousness and that myself, I'm trying to do that and realize that the power of sin, what dominated your life has been broken. And many Christians feel powerless, even though they know that I'm saved, I'm forgiven, but they seem to walk and say, I'm pulled back into sin, I'm pulled back into sin because they're trying but see, that void when the power of sin was broken, there was a void made in your life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the power of the That's Holy right. Spirit. Well, how do I generate that? How do I be being filled? Just what she said, praying in other tongues. You will actually generate and stir up the righteousness
2: yeah.
1: of God that you have become by praying in other tongues. We're not simply just praying out stuff, but we're praying in and through what is actually the fiber of our being. We have now become alive spiritually. We are spirit beings. And so when it says we pray in an unknown tongue, we edify, we strengthen, we build ourselves up. For what? To walk in righteousness right. to walk in holiness when the temptation come when sin get, comes against you when it tries to dominate you once again and in your mind you feel powerless you you will begin to not feel powerless because you are praying in other tongues you are continually praying in other tongues you're continually stirring the source and, and, and as pastor tasha said all the things of the rightness everything that's been set aright will start to develop it will start to form In you as you pray with other tongues. The formation of it, the very formation of who you are in Christ is formed because it's spirit being, it's formed by praying in the spirit. So many times we still, I know that, but I'm trying to live it out. I'm trying to walk it out, but it's really not about you walking it out. It's actually about it being formed in you. And when it's formed in you and that's who you are, you just walk it out. So I just encourage you Every day, whenever you have the opportunity, because you don't have to be thinking about it, your understanding can be unfruitful, that you allow yourself, you release from the Holy Spirit in you to pray in other tongues, because it will process and begin with intentional purpose. I'm praying to bring this spiritual development of righteousness, that which I've become, to fully form in me, that I can then, by the Holy Spirit, Walk in holiness. That's right. Through praying it out in other tongues.
0: That's right. And actually, he doesn't even know it, but that's part of what we're going to talk about next week because Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan and then he walked into every temptation that is known to man and he overcame it. Yeah. So we are going to talk about that. And uh, it'll be awesome. All right, have a great week. Oh, say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus Jesus far exceeds exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen. Amen.